Helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. This is the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Hello, hello, everybody. It is a pleasure to be back here. Natalie Lennon with you, taking you right up to 7 p.m. this evening on the Power Hour here on Casey Lore, where we talk all things mindset, fitness, nutrition, health, well-being. If you're new to the Power Hour, I hope you're not, but just in case you haven't joined us before, it is all about giving you the power to, and the tools, I should say, to maximise the quality of your life inside and out. It's about educating you a little while broadening your mindset, pushing you outside of that comfort zone just a little bit. I am a health and nutritional coach with a complicated history when it comes to the wellness world, so my aim is to make it a little bit less complicated for you. If you want to get in touch with any questions or thoughts during this evening's show, I would love nothing more than to hear from you. Please do drop me a message or a WhatsApp on our dinnersready.ie text sign 083-306-9696 and you can always get me on my Instagram at Natalie Lennon underscore. Now coming up on this week's Power Hour, what do we have in store for you? Well, our Q&A as per usual, but it's going to be a little bit later in the show. We're going to go to an interview first. This week, my Q&A is going to focus all on tea. Such an Irish household staple, but how much do you really know about it? Caffeine levels, does it affect your health, the different herbal types, calories and so on. Then we're going to talk about foam rolling and self-massage. Does it really help your recovery after exercise? We will have a Carlo physiotherapist here to give his opinion. But before all of this, we will be talking all things CrossFit with a seriously knowledgeable man. It's going to be a great and open-minded conversation that you do not want to miss. And then we'll have our usuals, which is the fitness funny myth bust and of course your cheer challenge so do not go anywhere we will be back right after this the kclr power hour with natalie lennon carlo kilkenny kclr now, welcome back, everybody. I am joined in studio by an absolutely amazing man. He is head coach and owner of Precision Health and Performance, owning two health and fitness facilities in Waterford with a master's by research in physiology, honours degree in exercise and health, certified strength and conditioning specialist, certified neuromuscular therapist. Huge intro he's getting. He's highly experienced with over a decade of experience. And here today, he's going to speak to us about CrossFit. Mr. Dean Roach, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. I know you're a busy man. You're very welcome to Casey Laura and the Power Hour here. I'm going to dive straight into it with you, Dean. Um, we wanted to speak a little bit more specifically about CrossFit today. I've never touched on it. So the main question on everyone's mind, what exactly is CrossFit? Oh, that's a million dollar question. I suppose if CrossFit could tell you that answer now, you'd have a, a million dollars in your back pocket as well. But um, it's one of these things that has managed to bring all types and aspects of fitness together and their definition is high intensity functional movement across broad times and multiple domains so basically what they mean that is they're trying to bring in as many daily activities as they possibly can that you would see such as like picking kids up off the floor just as one thing washing your hair is another thing and creating movements 
that you can put into a workout and increase your intensity by uh, having different time frames. So like something that's five minutes in length, 20 minutes in length, but keeping the intensity as high as you can throughout. So I know that's a pretty broad definition, but it's it's basically trying to do everything all at once in one day. <laughs> I love that you relate it back to everyday movements. Mm. I've never heard it described that way. And I'm not sure a lot of people, I never knew that about yeah. CrossFit. And like, I'm a personal trainer. I've been in the industry, but I've never dabbled in mm. CrossFit because I thought it's just high intensity, you know, overdoing it. Am I going to get mm. injured? But that brings it back to everyday movements that it's going to help you perform. Mm. So when it comes to CrossFit, is that what makes it unique compared to normal weightlifting? Or why is it different to normal resistance training that we would have spoke about on the Power Hour here before? I think you hit the nail on the head there and what you said. So, you know, I think people maybe understand it a little bit more and bring it back to the relative life of like doing daily tasks. So a power clean and jerk would be picking your baby up and throwing them over your head. Do you know? Yeah. That's like one of the key things that they would say. But if you look at, say, the other aspects of what people might enjoy, so a spinning class, some of the movements that come up in CrossFit, you would see in like a spin and burn or a spin and tone in a normal gym. So you'd have your kettlebell swings, your ab mass sit-ups, your combination then of a concept two bike or an assault bike. So you're doing a certain amount of calories, a certain amount of kettlebell swings, a certain amount of mass sit-ups, and then you're doing it over a, a period of time. Yeah. So I think in terms of that, like it's, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's it in terms of being you a personal trainer and maybe fearing it, it's maybe it was the fear of the unknown, do you mm. know? And even CrossFit themselves, the unknown and unknowable is what they have created their whole sport on. So you come in, you don't really know, or it might be a new movement that no one's done, and it might be a competition, or it might be anything like that. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to do a Turkish get-up today. No one in the class has ever done one. Oh, I remember my first time trying to do one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're trying to be like, oh yeah, well look, this will help you do all these mad things. And as I was saying, going back to the Perkins jerk, even the deadlift, you know, someone who passed to pick a, a bag of coal up off the ground. Oh, absolutely. Do you know, yeah, a 40 yeah. kilo bag of coal, like it gets heavy for anybody. So if you can, but I think they were within the industry. Dean, more people need to explain it this way to like mm. the everyday individual who have never come across these exercises. Because mm. that that's why I'm so glad to have you here. You mm. explain it that way, whereas mm. I've never heard it explained that way. Often CrossFit can just scare people away because we yeah. think high intensity. All these like to to other people at home, it's the lingo, it's the jargon that they've never heard of. You know, yeah. Turkish get up swings, assault bikes. What does that all mean? But yeah. when you break it down, it makes it more understandable. Plus, we're all about stepping outside of our comfort zone. Exactly. Um, especially on the power hour of talking about it numerous times here and that's what any new sport is going mm. into a new gym is I've been down to your gym in Waterford yeah. and I was so scared going in because yeah. it's not my sport yeah. but you always gain a little bit more confidence and self-empowerment once you try something new so yeah. when it comes to CrossFit I suppose firstly Dean when did you get into it? Oh I, I'm I'm competing in CrossFit now since 2012 so I'm, I'm a oh veteran gosh. I'm a veteran in Ireland at this point yeah um, and then I had started a little bit earlier and that was kind of the end of 2011, early 2012 when I had started my CrossFit kind okay. of journey, if you wanted to call so, it that. So when we say decade of experience, <laughs> literally that. <laughs> a um, decade in CrossFit and I had been coaching a little bit beforehand. Beyond which, that, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then when I think CrossFit, okay, I think kind of really buff, really muscly, really mm. shredded individuals. And I'm like, do I need to be at that level before I walk 
walking and start? Do you need to be in shape pretty much to start CrossFit? So that's, that's you know, it's probably the most common thing I've heard over the last maybe four or five years. I'm not fit enough to join your gym. And I'm like, okay, so when do you think you're going to be fit enough? And then they're like, well, I have to be able to run 5K. I said, I'm never going to program a 5K run in my gym. So yeah. why do you need to be able to run 5K? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I have to be able to do this. I said, but like at the end of the day, that's why we're there as coaches. I said, like, we're there to teach you the movements. And then what we're there to do is make you fitter and stronger. So why do you feel you need to be fit and strong before you come in? And I, it's definitely a fear thing around, again, going back to those two words, the unknowable and an unknowing aspect of uh, CrossFit, do you know? Yeah. And it's great, and I love that, and I love the variability of it, but it can be scary. So if you can, and I think even you mentioned injuries, mm-hmm. I think people sometimes hear that there's so many injuries from it, but in terms of injuries, uh, we might touch on it a little bit later, yes. but it's one of those things, it's a matter of too little, too often, are too much too soon. Do you get me? Yeah. So it's it's a matter of loading from oh, A to Dean, B. Dean, that is so true because yeah. that's the way people treat the gym. They just kind of maybe go in once every few weeks and they overdo it and get it injured as a result yeah. or they are addicted. It's always high. It's always mm. high. There's no recovery time and then they're getting injured. Mm. But we speak of injuries in CrossFit or in the gym mm. and we have to remember how many injuries happen outside oh. of the gym as a result of probably not going at all and not doing resistance training. Yeah. So before I ask you a little bit more about CrossFit, um, before we came on air here, when it comes to kind of the CrossFit affiliation, mm. um, potentially this is why there has been so much of a misconception around the sport itself. Mm. What do you need to do to be affiliated with CrossFit and use that term? So, um, I suppose there is still a little bit of a grey area. So you can become a CrossFit level one trainer and you can teach the methodologies of CrossFit, but you can't charge for it. Okay. That's within the course that you do. For you to charge and call yourself a CrossFit affiliate, you have to pay the affiliation fee. Um, So you start by doing the CrossFit level one weekend course coaches come over you spend I think it's eight or nine hours per day running through the philosophies of CrossFit ideas of how to program some nutritional things that you can add to you know just the value of what you're delivering and then you can uh, pay the affiliation fee and put CrossFit over your gym um, so it's still just a two day course yeah yeah and I suppose going going from back in the day um and they still feel today that you can learn enough to be able to viably coach to people. Yes. Maybe myself, I think it's one of those things, it's like it should be a CPD or an additive and maybe, you know, some sort of um, pre-course completed, yes. like a personal trainer yeah, yeah. or a strength conditioning course or something just that gives you a general amount of say six to 12 weeks once a week you're going through the basics of movements and these types yeah. of things Dean right. I couldn't agree more and that's mm. why again it's great to have you in here because you had that and you mm. had that going in to get the CrossFit experience mm. so your own facilities they're not CrossFit affiliated but technically mm. they don't need to be because you have the knowledge uh, yeah well look I can't sell CrossFit I'm not going to say that we do CrossFit or anything like that um, for me it's strength and conditioning and I think yeah. CrossFit did a really good way or a good uh, good job of branding strength and conditioning and putting 
a term on it. Yeah. Do you know, not and a different in, twist to it in comparison to usual, yeah. you know, weight lifting and weight training. There's a, more of a community and competitive aspect. Before I move on to that, yeah. I suppose to explain quickly um, and yeah. the main benefits of CrossFit training. Oh, sure. You know, how long is your, how long do you have? <laughs> Quickly, she says, and she knows yeah, that quick answer yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. So look, you're, you're, you're definitely going to get stronger. You're definitely going to improve your lean muscle tissue. You'll, you'll look better. You'll feel better. You'll have cardiovascular aspects where you're able to do things for longer. You know, there's, there's a little bit of everything for everybody there. Now, it happens in every gym. You'll have gyms that are kind of more biased towards strength stuff. Mm-hmm. Some gyms you'll end up getting crazy strong. Some gyms you'll end up being a biased towards cardiovascular stuff. You'll end up getting crazy fit. There's gyms that are kind of in between both. The true philosophy of CrossFit is that there's one thing on one day and it could be an element of strength. So you're doing like five sets of five on the back squat and that's just your day. Yeah. Your next one could be just a pure long 40 minute AMRAP and that could be your just your piece for AMRAP that day. AMRAP meaning as many rounds as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who yeah, don't yeah. know, yeah, exactly. Or it could be an every minute on the minute for a period of time yeah. or it could be a far time workout so you're trying to get a certain amount of workload yeah. done in a particular time. And then the really, really good CrossFit gyms that I have found do that really well or their A part is something super simple that leads into part B so it could be a part A is power cleans and then they have power cleans in their workout so they've spent 30 minutes of their workout just working on form on form and position yeah Yeah. exactly and then when it goes into the workout you might have something simple with it which is like burpees over the bar and then calories on the machine in terms of coaching and positions it's very very hard to get those two things wrong yeah, you know yeah, mm. yeah. So when it comes to, I suppose that all makes a lot of sense. You're selling it to us. We all want to be strong. <laughs> we all want to be fit. When it comes to the most common injuries you mm. see, even within the CrossFit world, Dean, I mean, that's where CrossFit gets a lot of its kind of negative connotations. A lot of, yeah. um, say, st- standard, and that that's still being quite a, a high quality word, but standard yeah. PTs and strength and conditioning coaches would say, oh no, CrossFit, you get injured. They overdo it. They do it wrong. So most com- common injuries you see, and maybe potentially why they happen. Yeah. Um, so I think the most common injuries I still see from CrossFit boxes is the most common injuries I see from people who don't train. You're going to get elbow pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, and then some back pain. You know. Would you also say for people who train too much? Does oh, it still go that way? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So look, everything for me in terms of injury or anything like that is a matter of load. So if people who are getting injuries inside a CrossFit gym and it's shoulder related, I'm going to ask them how many toes to bar have you done in the last week. And if you don't have kind of like, oh, I've done 200 in the last seven days, I'm like, yeah, well, no wonder your shoulder is at you. Like you've yeah. done 200 kips. I think yeah. like you're bang on. It, yeah. it goes back to that be, that saying where you are either going too little too often coming in and overdoing it yeah. or going too much. And that's where the injuries are starting to to come from. Yeah. Um, but with CrossFit, another reason why I think injuries potentially happen yeah. a lot is because it's so competitive. Yeah. You know, people don't want to go in beside someone who is super strong and doing 200 toes to bar and say that they can only do 20 because yeah. it's a bit of an ego thing and people just need to be prepared to let that go. Yeah, and I think I think that goes back to the coaches themselves and there's a lot of coaches who do a really good job of that, being able to scale the workout so the intensity and the intensity is the exact same. So if toes to bar are coming up and you have, they, they grade it as like RX, intermediate and scaled. The RX are going to go toes to bar, the intermediate are going to go like a knees to chest and then the scale might go an ab mat sit up or they might do a seated toes to bar because they're not ready yet for hanging from the bar for that amount of time. Yeah. And then combinations of movements of uh, a power snatch is coming up for 
the RX it might be a power clean for intermediate and then it might be a dumbbell snatch for the scale okay so this is making a lot of sense to me because the day I went down and I was training with you guys t- yeah. TTB toes to bar yeah. who knew I didn't have a clue what that meant but yeah. then I was doing that like knee version yeah um, exactly. again I was doing a dumbbell snatch instead of like a barbell snatch yeah, exactly. but it's just you need to be prepared to leave your ego at the door and realise yeah. that yes sometimes it's a competitive sport mm. but there's no point in being silly and injuring yourself just for the sake of your ego yeah exactly yeah. and again I think I you know I don't want to be painting everyone with the same brush in terms of how this comes across because again there's phenomenal coaches and like in every industry you'll have phenomenal presenters and you'll have <laughs> not so great presenters but it's just one of those things that it's nearly from the top down Yeah. if you have a coach who comes into the class and wants to beat all their own clients then most likely they're going to create a competitive environment That's which is so yeah which is not wrong and, and again it depends on the environment you want to create but it's the industry it, yeah. it's the way and that's where when it comes to the individual coming in to join a gym or do a class hmm. you kind of need to do your research and suss out that vibe yourself and be aware yeah. be self-aware going in yeah. so often those do CrossFit say that they are like addicted to training this way um, I know uh, a friend of both of ours Ross Smithers who's <laughs> probably listening in could probably agree why is it so addictive? Um, so I, I came from a background of playing probably every sport I've dabbled in Ah, rugby and GA and basketball and swimming and all those things and wow. I think it, and now I was never great at all of them now just to, <laughs> just say just to say but I, I've tried I'm feeling you're being very humble there dude. no I'm not I'm not but when I when I got to about 16 17 I, I started to feel like I enjoyed the training aspect rather than the match aspect and it wasn't the psychological it was just I liked to see how much better I could get in an element within training so when we were doing intervals and like and maybe it's the competitive side of me. It was like I want to run, win every run. I don't care if I get sick. I'm gonna I'm gonna win this run. Like, and you know you're at that age. You're coming into senior panels and intermediate panels with the GAA, and you're working with adults, and and then you're competitive with the people who are older than you. You start beating them in runs, and they get more competitive. And then you have this thing. So when I found CrossFit and I went in, I was like, oh my god, I am not good at any of these movements. Yeah. It's like what is this? And then I was like, okay. And then you're like, all of a sudden you start stringing things together. Like, oh my God, this is great. This is great. And then all of a sudden you're getting stronger. And you're like, oh my God. And then I think it was just the constant variation of things and not repeating something scared me for one. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it so much. And the only way you can judge how you got better was, oh, I managed to do 10 reps unbroken in comparison to five last time. I yeah. did a workout like this. You, know? you need to remember that everyone was everyone was a beginner at some point and yeah. I also think comparing like team sports to CrossFit mm. there's maybe a little bit of pressure there you're not really letting anyone down yeah. by yourself mm. and technically you're never letting yourself down once mm. you win and you try yeah. that's success in itself failure is part of the process and all that does 100% yeah I couldn't agree more so one thing that I love about CrossFit gyms Dean is that there are no MERS although yeah. some may argue that this makes it too difficult to keep good form mm. why is there no MERS in CrossFit gyms so you said too difficult to keep good form so I think end of the day what you're paying for as a coach for one thing mm-hmm. so if you can't keep good form with a coach watching you i think you need to find a new gym but um look um the reason for me is like it's not i i don't put them in and again i want my gym to be the philosophy of coaching so from start through finish you're brought through everything you yeah. know and then we'll have our workout at the end so i feel paralysis by analysis sometimes comes in when people are in mirrors so they're looking at oh sure I shifted a small bit in my squat so I should be back squatting and then you're like well everyone is really asymmetrical your right side is going to be completely different to your left side so if you shift a small bit 
that's that's okay. Dean, I love that. Paralysis by analysis. Paralysis I'm going to rob that on you, you one can, of these days here can, again. You can take that from um, me. Yeah. Do you know what? I asked you that question nearly knowing the answer because where mm. I did my PT course, it was Elite uh, Perform Academy in Blackrock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Sean McGarty. I you know, know Sean, yeah. Like yeah. they didn't have MERS and yeah. they always said, you need to get to know your own body and you yeah. need to get to know the way you're moving without looking at it. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you on all of that. Yeah. When it comes to CrossFit, is it for any age or particular age group? Oh, yeah. So we've had, we actually have twins who started in our gym I think they were 12 or 13 when they started and they've been with us now three years so I think no they're 50 yeah 12 so the 12 when they started and our oldest member goes up to 62 wow yeah so we have like that's a big gap you're talking yeah. uh, 50 years nearly maybe like, I'll yeah. get my mother in yet and, <laughs> yeah, exactly you know. come here Dean we're quickly running out of time and I had yeah. a quick question that I wanted to ask you before we let you tell people where they can find you yeah. I, I'm going to ask you to keep it to 20 seconds okay? yeah. out of curiosity do you believe in foam rolling or kind of massage to aid recovery? No, I don't. I don't. Because uh, S, the self-myofascial release is the term they use for foam yeah. rolling. For you to deform fascia, it takes about 9,075 newtons of force, which is basically like a car rolling over you. I'm so, shook. I'm here with my mouth open yeah. like, what? Now, I never knew that. The other side then is like you have placebo. If I turn around to you and I said, if you foam roll every single day for the rest of your life, you'll have no injuries. Yeah. You'll probably have less injuries from it's, you believing yeah. it or you're going to feel great now. But I could like tap your head and tap this thing and be like, yeah, you're going to feel awesome. You know now. what? I think that's me. The placebo effect works for me, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Okay, yeah. before yeah. I leave you really yeah. quickly, I like to do a quick fire with yeah. some of my guests. Are you ready? Go for it. Dean Roach, squat or deadlift? Squat. Run or cycle? Oh, cycle. AM or PM workouts? Midday. Oh! Ne- neither. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you there, to be fair. Yeah. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset, actually. Oh. Mm. Lower body or upper body workouts? Lower. I'm with you there. And finally, your death row meal. Ooh, that's a, that's a doozy now. Oh. Three, two, one, go. Ah, uh, burger. Definitely <laughs> greasiest burger I can possibly find. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Dean, it's been a pleasure having you here on yeah. the Power Hour. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to reach out to you, find out more about your services, where can they do so? Uh, Instagram is probably the best one. Uh, our handle is underscore precision, underscore health, underscore precision. I think there's an underscore at the end as well. I don't even know my own I'll handle. have you tagged on my Instagram yeah. now after this anyway. Brilliant. Excellent. And then we have emails and stuff like that, which you can actually find on our Instagram. Uh, we do have Facebook page, but very very minimal content perfect <laughs> yeah. so Instagram the way to go and yeah. you'll find everything there I'll have you tagged too Dean Roach it's been a pleasure having you thanks so much thanks a million Wednesdays from 6pm the KCLO Power Hour with Natalie Lennon Carlo Kilkenny KCLR. have something you want answered just let us know it's the Power Hour Q&A Welcome back, everybody. As promised, our Q&A this week is going to focus a little bit more specifically on an Irish household staple, and that is tea. So the first question that I got in, and a reminder, any questions that you have that you'd like me to answer, you got to get them in, especially before next week, to our dinnersready.ie text line 0833069696. So the first question this week, how much caffeine is there in tea? Now, not specifically talking about our typical cup of lines or berries, and we won't even start on that debate. Um, so-called real tea, so in other words, not the herbal or fruit-based types, come from the Camellia sinensis plant. Now, there's something that was new to me, but 
This is but one of around 60 plants that naturally contain caffeine. So others being obviously the coffee plant, the cocoa plant. But depending on the specific brew you choose, there's going to be varying caffeine levels in tea. This is because of its processing that alters the chemical makeup. Now, we've spoken on the Power Hour here before about why we should be in the know as to how much caffeine we are consuming during the day. And I'll touch on that again just after I run through this in case you're wondering why do we even care how much caffeine is in tea? So there are four types of tea which are the most popular. White tea is the least processed variety and that has around 15 milligrams per cup. Next, there's green tea, which has become very popular over the last few years, around 30 milligrams of caffeine per cup. You have oolong tea, which is quite popular, and then black tea, which has a 40 milligram caffeine level per cup. Now the average cup of black tea with milk which would be typically your lines or your berries or whichever tea bag you choose to stock up in your kitchen at home has around 40 to 47 milligrams of caffeine. Now this may was a surprise to us as most of us associate caffeine in general as being with coffee. We don't even think of it as being with tea. Yet often, a lot of clients I've had in the past wouldn't be able to sleep at night because they drink their cup of tea and they forget there's caffeine in tea. And some people are far more sensitive to caffeine. So when it comes to... Now remember, the average cup of coffee contains twice that the levels of caffeine as tea. So coffee around 80 to 90, your standard cup at home, not the brew you're getting out in the coffee shop, which could be way more. But when it comes to caffeine levels, in quotations, like the best, you know, amount to have, it's individual dependent, but the max recommended level is 400 milligrams. Okay, so 40 to 50 in your cup of tea. How many cups of tea do you have a day plus your coffee? Keep that in mind. Now, why is 400 milligrams a max recommended level? Well, it depends on your tolerance, but it's going to affect your sleep and potentially your anxiety levels. So if you're someone who suffers a little bit from anxiety, well, then it's best to keep an eye to the level of tea you're drinking or opt for decaf tea. Now, that leads me to my next question. How is decaf tea made or what is it? Often people who are quite conscious of their health wonder, is decaf tea maybe, you know, dangerous? Is there a lot of chemical um, processes involved in making that decaf tea? So decaf teas are different than caffeine-free teas. That's really worth noting. Decaffeinated teas are coffees actually still have a little bit of caffeine in them. Now, very minimal. Two milligrams of caffeine per cup, usually. While caffeine-free teas naturally don't contain any caffeine. Like mint tea, you know, chamomile, the likes. So there are four types of kind of tea decaffeination methods. Now, I won't go into the four because they all get very kind of scientific, but the main method used is a carbon dioxide method. So most teas are decaffeinated through this method. Um, the natural flavours of the tea and its health benefits are retained. So you don't need to worry too much if you're choosing decaf tea. I do. I drink a decaf tea before bed because otherwise I know that 40 milligrams of caffeine, totting it up at my three cups of coffee that I usually have earlier in the day, it's going to affect me. So that's why I choose decaf. Now, does green tea have caffeine? I often get asked this. As mentioned previously, Green tea does indeed have caffeine, yet the level is less than that of, say, black tea. And the reason for this is its processing. So about 30 milligrams. So before bed, maybe opt for caffeine-free, like a nighttime tea or maybe a chamomile, maybe a peppermint. <laughs> well, Shannon, I think, is just making tea out there and she's listening wondering, oh God, should I be drinking this tea or not? But remember... 
caffeine has a half-life of six hours. So six hours after you drink your cup of coffee, it's still in your system at half the level it was. So it can affect your sleep. And let me go back to what we've said here on the Power Hour before. If you have caffeine in your system, so if you're someone who says, no, I can drink a cup of coffee, go to bed and sleep fine. No, you can't. Okay. I will never believe it. Maybe you fall asleep, but you're not recovering. You're not getting deep sleep and you're not getting that restorative sleep that we need to wake up feeling refreshed. Now, how many calories are in a cup of tea? Well, whether it's Lyons or it's Barry's, dare I spark that debate? Let me know what your favourite is. Um, really, it's virtually calorie free. But whether you add milk or sugar, then, you know, semi-skimmed milk, you're talking maybe 13 calories. Whole milk, maybe 20. So if you have 10 cups of tea, day keep that in mind if you're adding sugar well listen I just I hope you're not that's all we're going to say there now we're quickly running out of time here on the Q&A someone asked me I'm going to finish with this one does tea dehydrate you now yes and no okay it's true tea is a diuretic this of course means that you'll likely be urinating more more often after drinking a few cuppas and yes losing water but that said the vast percentage of tea is water so it goes without saying that it is hydrating now when it comes to herbal tea the lack of caffeine in most of them translates to more hydration is tea bad for you absolutely not will it stain your teeth maybe are you sensitive to caffeine then you need to keep it in mind to watch the level of tea and coffee that you're drinking because we all know too caffeine you get jittery you might suffer with sleeplessness you might get headaches or nervous or irritability or regular heartbeat I know I do and that rounds up our Q&A for today here on the Power Hour now as mentioned in the intro I spoke to a Carlo physiotherapist all about foam rolling I quizzed Dean about it very quickly at the end so we're going to move to that here next Helping you take control of your fitness nutrition and mindset the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon I am thrilled to be joined by regular contributor to the Power Hour here, physiotherapist for over eight years now, plenty of experience from Carlo. We have Mr. Gary Nolan. Gary, welcome back to the Power Hour. How are you, Natalie? How are you? It is a pleasure to have you back. Now, just before this, I asked Mr. Dean Roach, did he believe in foam rolling and massage to aid recovery and as a regular contributor here and a man of high knowledge i wanted to get your input do you believe in the power of foam roll and massage for recovery for recovery well there's no real evidence uh, behind it for recovery uh, in terms of any sort of physical markers in terms of testing um, but what there is, it's a small bit of evidence in terms of reduced muscle soreness for people who get like massage and uh, do a lot of foam rolling. Um, I suppose probably to take the conversation down a different track, I suppose it depends who you're talking for. Is it for the general population person, someone who might exercise two and three times a week, or is it for athletes who might exercise twice a day, every day? So it can be a little bit different. So a foam rolling, I suppose, is described as particularly a self-massage. So in an environment where somebody can't afford massage or where it's not available for them, it's described as a method of doing it yourself. Um, there probably isn't a whole lot of research out there that suggests it like works. Um, but anecdotally, from athletes and from coaches who use it, so some coaches use it in groups with like 30 plus, 20 plus people, as a time saver and also to set routine as well you know it's holding quite good regard by some people and uh, myself i don't like advocate an awful lot of it um okay but i would also say with these things if somebody who's using it finds it really good then it's not really ideal for us to take it away from them i'd say just add it as part of a routine 
And do you think then it's it's potentially partly just a placebo effect when it comes to foam rolling? And for our listeners who don't know, foam rolling is basically like a little kind of um, cylinder, like a hollow yeah, cylinder, like a cylinder that has like um, kind of tough foam around the edge. So mm-hmm. you roll like your quads, your calves, yeah. or maybe your lats over to basically massage out the muscle yourself. So do you mm-hmm. think it's mainly a placebo effect then when it comes to some athletes or just regular everyday exercisers that would say oh it helps my recovery yeah like i think first of all i think everything in in exercise and strength and conditioning and fitness has become sort of heightened in that everything is a debate now so i think it's really rather extreme to describe it as a placebo effect or not so placebo is like something like a, where you'd use a fake treatment or a sham treatment to see can you trick somebody into thinking like something has a cute effect yeah. i don't think it, like foam rolling is that you know it's so inexpensive and it's so like it takes up so little time that i don't think it's worth talking about in those terms I think that it's just something that like if it works for somebody it's fine and there isn't much research out there suggest I will openly say that that it doesn't like there's not much research out there say it aids recovery or improves performance but what it does sometimes is make some people feel really good uh, there is some research say it improves flexibility um, but I don't know whether that, that does those piece of research use it as a combined warm up so whether it was the warm up they did it or the form rolling that they did it who knows but look I think that you know to describe it as a placebo it's probably taking a step too far if it's somebody enjoys it, they enjoy it, let them do it. And yeah. if not, then... Like, personally, and you know this, Gary, because I've trained with you throughout my mm-hmm. niggles and injuries, I have felt that it helped, personally, me yeah. and my kind of hip niggles, shall we say. When I don't do it, they seem to get more sore. Yeah. So there's no real scientific answer to that bar... It's anecdotal. Yeah, it, but there's no scientific is. evidence to say that it's going to have a negative effect on you. So then, you know, it doesn't need That's to be a negative. That's very true. So you know? what harm? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what it does, it, like, so for what it might be doing for you, Natalie, is it might be like something to do like neurally and that the neural sensation or that pressure being applied to your muscle in the same way as massage just feels really nice. So in that case, like, why not? And when it comes to massage, foam rolling, all of this, you know, the basic population, I shouldn't say basic, but like the general population would think, as do I, because I'm not an expert in this area, it's about knots in your muscles and getting rid of the knots. Are yeah. those terms... No, hurt? that's false. So foam rolling doesn't do that. So foam rolling Ooh. doesn't break up fascia and it doesn't improve blood flow. It doesn't do all of these fancy things that you hear about when foam rolling has been marketed to you. You know, what it can do is just give you that nice sensation of like self-massage. Um, but, but it's not undoing no, knots. There's no evidence for knots being in muscles even, let alone foam rollers breaking them up. And it is true to say that knots exist in muscles, though. Well, knots kind of, I suppose, everyone would have, like, something that would feel like a knot and act like a knot, so people call yes. them trigger points, knots and things. But there's no evidence to suggest that they're actually harmful. So some people enjoy getting them, as they call, like, self-release, massage-release, trigger mm-hmm. point-release. But mm-hmm. there's no actual evidence to suggest that people having knots in their muscles wouldn't be just something that's in your muscle there's no evidence anyway. to suggest that that's actually harmful um, so I suppose be mindful of that like, and anything of any of those things that like this works that works to get rid of it or people say get rid of it make me feel better make me feel looser that's really good get that done but when that kind of part of training and recovery becomes like the sole thing you focus on oh, I need to get a massage I need to do this I need to get rubbed out the same things still work for recovery and performance which is good sleep good nutrition um, good training 
good practices. They are all the first things you put and then the foam roll massage, they're the one percenters. On top. Gary, you have rounded up this conversation perfectly, bringing it back to basics and that's where recovery, that's where the focus should be when it comes to recovery. Mm -hmm. Sleep, nutrition, keeping your stress levels out. There's no point in getting four hours sleep a night if you're getting up to do foam rolling at five yeah, in the you morning. You could sleep on a foam roller if we were only getting three <laughs> hours, but it wouldn't make any difference. I love it. Gary, yeah. as always, I'll finish up my interview with you asking where people can find you if they want to do so. You can find me at Nolan Physio on Instagram or you can email me at info at nolanphysio.com. Absolutely amazing. And as always, I'll have you tagged on my own Instagram after this. Hopefully we'll have you back soon, Gary. Thanks so much. Cheers, Natalie. Thanks, Minion. The KCLOR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. You are very welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gary Nolan speaking all things foam rolling and if it was worth the hype. Do text me and let me know if it's something that you find is worth the hype. 0833069696. Now, last week on the Power Hour, I had Linda Murray from Bioga Nutrition in here. Woke a lot about fats, fibre and cholesterol. You can catch up on Spotify if you want to listen back to any of our episodes here on the Power Hour. And I did want to tell you a little bit about an omega-3 study because we were speaking about fat. So I'm coming back to that study because it blew my mind. Now, we've spoken about omega-3 fatty acids here before. They are easy essential fatty acids aka you need them for your body to function optimally you need them you literally can't make them you have to get them from your diet and it's pretty much possible to get them unless you're having fatty fish the likes of salmon and mackerel yes there are vegan sources but they're a slightly different type of omega-3 and the conversion rate to that of the form our body utilizes if that's not too complicated, is less than 5%. Okay? Okay, so you're following? Moving on. The study. So, a new study showed that people with a high omega-3 DHA level, that is the type of omega-3 fatty acid, just given the, the fancy name DHA. We won't try to pronounce what that actually stands for. So, this new study showed that people with a high omega-3 DHA level in their blood are at, get this, a 49% lower risk of Alzheimer's. And I was asking Linda, the nutritional therapist from Kilkenny, all about this and, you know, making sure it was right to share it on air, that it wasn't kind of a bogus study. And she had heard, and we agree, it's phenomenal. F phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal and definitely one worth noting. New research published in the journal Nutrients shows that people with a higher blood DHA level are 49% less likely to develop Alzheimer's disease versus those with lower levels, according to Fatty Acid Research Institute. The study suggested that providing extra dietary omega-3 DHA, especially for those carrying the, I think they call it the ApoE4 gene, which can double your susceptibility to develop developing Alzheimer's disease, it might slow the development of the disease. Such a cost-effective, low-risk dietary intervention like this could potentially save billions in healthcare costs if we just educate everyone on the, the importance of getting omega-3 in your diet, especially DHA and EPA. And where do you get them? Generally, your fatty fish. If you don't eat fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, consider supplementation. Okay, so there you have it. Our Omega 3 study. Now we're going to move on to our fitness funny for this week. The Power Hour Fitness Funny. Now, 
I have been telling funny jokes here, but I figured I'd bring it back to a story that I got in on my Instagram this week. Do send me in a funny fitness story if you have one. I really laughed out loud at this because it's just so me to do something like this to get a photo taken. So here's the message that we got in. Once I was running a five kilometres in my town and I saw a good friend of mine cheer me on. I wanted to look really good. So I'm guessing this was like a 5k race because she said cheering me on from the sideline. I wanted to look really cool for the photo so she could get a good snap for Instagram. Like this is my life. I just related so much to it. And in the process, (laughs) she got so distracted putting on her best kind of, you know, running face, serious face that she literally ran into the woman in front of her. And almost tripped her up. Could you imagine? I'm sure that made for a great photo. <laughs> I was really getting into running myself just before I caught COVID a few weeks ago. And I gotta tell you, it's knocked me back. But hopefully I'll be back doing it very soon. Next up is our Myth Bust Minute. Clearing up those misconceptions. The Power Hour One Minute Myth Bust. So this week on our Myth Bust, hot or cold packs are great for any injury. Is this true or false? Well, it's not technically true. Using cold or heat packs is not a bad idea in itself, okay? But it's really important to know when to use which one. So an ice pack should generally be used for acute injuries that are swollen. The cold will help reduce the heat and swelling. So that will speed up your recovery, okay? But when it comes to heat packs, on the other hand, they are generally used for stiff muscles or chronic pain. For example, I had a muscle spasm there a few weeks ago, right down by my shoulder blade, and it was killing me. And I used heat to help with this. But when I twisted my ankle in Dingle a while ago, found out I have an extra bone in my ankle. Who knew? It's been there all these 28 years of my life, and I only found out last summer. But that led to swelling. So in that case, I used an ice pack. So there is your myth busted for this week. Just sometimes people will use a hot or cold pack kind of willy-nilly and it's really important to know which one to use. So if there's swelling, the cold will help reduce it. If there is the likes of a muscle spasm or a stiff muscle or chronic pain, heat may help. Always consult a doctor first or a physiotherapist, however. And finally, before I round up the power hour here, what a quick show it's been. I want to leave you with a cheer challenge for this week. A little challenge that I give you so that you can maybe do this during the week to pick up your mood. Now, last week, what I asked you to do was pet a dog or a cat because it's often proven to be therapeutic and reduce our stress levels. This week, I'm asking you to find a moment in every day to take three deep breaths. If everyone listening in Kilkenny and Carlo could do that every single day, could you imagine how calm we would be? We haven't revisited mindfulness in some time here in the Power Hour and I think it is one of those topics that you always need to be reminded of or we tend to forget about it and let stress get out of hand. So this is your reminder to have a mindful moment every day this week, whether it's first thing in the morning, it's before bed, it's on your lunch break. Take three deep breaths. It's probably going to take you what 10 seconds give it a four seconds in one second pause maybe a five second exhale okay and let me know how you get on guys it's been an absolute pleasure being here with you as always make sure you tune in next week where we are going to have a discussion all about the vegan diet so i'm sure you'll find that very interesting if you want to catch up on any of our shows here it's been 21 weeks you can do so by searching the power hour with natalie lennon on spotify and don't go anywhere because we will have your seven o'clock news coming up and then after that you will have fully loaded with own carry where we will have all the tunes to keep you going wednesdays from 6 p.m the kclr power hour with natalie lennon